Thank you for joining us on Community Focus this morning, where we look at the issues that matter and the people and organizations that are making a difference. Uh, Throughout Hispanic Heritage Month, we're featuring these people, organizations, and events that are recognizing the contributions of people of all Hispanic backgrounds. And one of these events is set for Friday, October 6th, and it is a pleasure to welcome the Vice Mayor of the City of Miramar to tell us about it, Alexandra Davis. Welcome, Vice Mayor. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, and I look forward to having this conversation. I am looking at the flyer for Latin Nights 2023 in the City of Miramar, and I am honestly just blown away at what you've put together and the fact that it's free. Tell us what's going to be happening. Right. So Latin Nights is our fifth annual awards celebration for our Hispanic month and for those in the Latin community. Uh, We come together, we have food, we have entertainment, and it's just an all-around good time that we have when we give out awards to folks in various industries, whether it be corporate citizenry, it's arts and entertainment, it's community engagement, among others. And this year we have, as our MC, Vivian Gonzalez, who is a meteorologist from WSBN 7. Of course, there are weather partners for hurricane season. She's amazing. Perfect, yes. And so the event, yes, it is free. It takes place on Friday, October 6th from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. We'll start off with an hour cocktail, our red carpet from 7 to 8, and then it will be the dinner, awards, and entertainment that will be from 8 to 11 p.m. And so uh, we always look forward to this event. It's always well attended. Uh, I'm looking at the lineup of entertainers and you've got award-winning Venezuelan singer Edward Mena, Fajardo Elite Dance Academy, Jean-Paul Latin Soul Band, and it's a banquet dinner. And I'm trying to figure out how are you presenting this for free to the city of Miramar? (laughs) Yes, the city of Miramar, we invest back into our people. We believe in that. We believe that people should be able to work, play, and uh, raise their family in our city without having to go anywhere else. And so we find ways in our budget to accommodate for these types of entertainment where we recognize various cultures. And in this sense, it's going to be the Latin culture. And so we take pride in doing that in our community. And that's why we're one of the best places to live. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, I remember when, you know, originally going back a couple of decades that Hispanic in South Florida meant Cuban. And that has expanded so much over the years. There's Venezuelan, there's Argentina, Puerto Rican. I didn't mention any Latin American country, and we have people from there. And I recall that Miramar was one of the first Broward County cities to really become home to a mass Hispanic population as people moved north from Dade County. Really, it started after Hurricane Andrew. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are absolutely correct. After Hurricane Andrew, we had a a real big influx of our Hispanic brothers and sisters and from all walks of life in the Hispanic community. And we are so grateful. They add to the fabric of Miramar. We're so pleased to have them. Yeah, there's a really a special feeling and a culture 
that Hispanics bring to America that I just, I love how we all intermingle and are able to share with each other. And again, this event, I'm putting the flyer on our website because not only do I want people to have the information, but just looking at the beauty of the purple and the pink and the shadows of people dancing and you're requesting cocktail attire. This is quite an event. Absolutely. In fact, our awardees arranged the gamut, and I'll name a few for you. Please. Yes. So we have George Perez. He's the CEO of the Related Group, a well-known developer in the area. We have, in terms of community engagement, we have Commissioner Angelo Castillo, City of Pembroke Pines Commissioner. In terms of journalistic award for a journalist, it's Belkis Naray. Yes. WSBN 7. And in terms of community engagement, just really getting the community, the Hispanic community involved, especially in the political process, we have Michael Garcia, who is an attorney, and he's with the Hispanic Vote. Okay. And so, yeah, we, we are covering a lot of the bases. I know you mentioned the diversity of the Hispanic community. In fact, Gian Paul, he's from Peru. He's the Latin soul band that's performing. So we try to include everyone. Now, how does someone go about making a reservation since this is a free event, but you still need to know how many dinners to have ready, how many tables to set? Absolutely. And so they would go to Latin Nights with an S, 23.eventbrite.com. So Latin Nights, 23.eventbrite.com. And of course, it's limited availability. So folks have to get in early yep. uh, so that they can participate and be part of our celebrations here in the city of Miramar. So you're welcome to come and register and be part of the celebration. Now, do you have to be a Miramar resident to participate? No. Okay. (laughs) I'm afraid that the phones may be going off (laughs) the hook now. We figure figure when people come to Miramar and they visit and see what we do, they become new residents. That's right. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Always room for more. And this is all happening at the Miramar Cultural Center and Banquet Hall. Again, we're putting the information on our website. Just go to our events listing and you'll find the flyer in case you didn't remember latinnights23.eventbrite.com. Is this also on the Miramar government website, miramarfl.gov? Okay. Absolutely, yes. It's on MiramarFL.gov where we host a lot of our events so folks can, you know, make note of that too. Let me just ask you something as Vice Mayor of Miramar. Obviously, you take so much pride in your city and inviting people to come experience it. What's your vision for Miramar, say, five years from now? Where would you like things to be? I'd like for it to continue to be a melting pot of cultures, um, a high level of service to our residents and businesses from city staff. We just want this place to be on the map. In fact, folks can know that wherever they come from, they will feel welcome in our city. So oh. that's my hope for the city of Miramar. Uh, you're you're already well on the way. You're, you're already, <laughs> you know, just talking to you. And it, it, as you represent your city, the feeling is there and it's genuine. I feel it. And I'm sure the listeners feel it too. So I thank you. Is there anything else that you want our listeners to know about Latin Nights 2023 or Miramar? They uh, can call me. Some people may want to call just to get information. Um, it's 954 954- Six zero two three one five five, and for those who don't know the address of the Miramar Cultural Center, 
It is 2400 Civic Center Place in Miramar, 33025. Okay. So Most definitely. Um, I I want to say wear comfortable shoes, but because you're going to be dancing. But part yes. of the whole, you know, flair is the the heels. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So it's put on your dancing shoes. Put it that way. <laughs> That's a much better way to phrase it. Thank you. Be prepared for an absolutely outstanding night of entertainment and recognizing people for their contributions, and communing with those in your community. Vice Mayor for the City of Miramar, Alexandra Davis, you're wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you, Ellen. I appreciate you. Likewise. Take care. So the main focus that we wanted to discuss today is programs for children. And my original thought was, okay, let's talk about after-school programs. And I thought, you know, there's an age group that I believe is most at risk, where younger children, their parents are usually there to pick them up from school. The older children, they have their after-school clubs and things, or they're involved in other activities. But I think from about age 10 to 14 or 15, we've got a group that's at risk, where maybe they're left home alone, and they don't know what to do with themselves. They can't drive, so they can't take themselves to programs. So we're really looking for what kind of programs we can let our audience know about that their children can go to that will give them a safe place to go after school. And of course, anything else that you have that's fun and interesting and relates to kids is great. So I'm happy to welcome Jimena Nunez, Director of Communications for the Children's Trust. You know, they are the umbrella organization in Miami-Dade County that kind of oversees all of the programs for children. Jimena, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your job, and what the Children's Trust does that we can spread the word about? Thank you so much, Ellen. So I've been with the Children's Trust uh, for four and a half years. Okay. It looks like you love it. You're smiling. I love it. It's really, really rewarding. It's extremely rewarding. What is it about it that's rewarding for you? So my career before, I was uh, for 15 years in marketing agencies, and I worked for clients like ExxonMobil and Pepsi and Visa. So yeah, it was great to sell fuel. But now, now, you know, to be able to do what I love and be able to see that that reflects into, you know, getting children into summer camps and after school and adopted. And it's so rewarding. It's very, very, every time that I say it, I keep saying it, I get goosebumps all the time because it's just, it's, it's amazing just to be able to, to do what you love and, and know that you somehow you're changing somebody's life for the good. You are very, very lucky. You know, so many people go to work and they don't like their job. Uh, you know, they're not doing what they're really passionate about or they don't feel appreciated. So it's great to hear about someone who is working in an organization like the Children's Trust that is so rewarding for you. And congratulations on that. Um, I know the Children's Trust just finished their back to school initiative with multiple expos in Miami-Dade County. And with more of a local focus this year to provide resources to families. So now that you've given the kids what they need to get started in school, what are you looking at in terms of after school programs? This year, actually, the Children's Trust, a few months ago, our board approved a resolution, the funding for our youth development investment area. 
for the next five years. So for the next five years, we're going to be investing just the Children's Trust itself around $76 million every year in after-school programs and summer camps to exactly what you mentioned, Ellen, to make sure that the children have a safe place where they're being taken care of and so the parents can have the peace of mind and they can work. And when you think about it, that our funding cycles are five years, so that's an investment over five years is $383 million. So it's actually the largest investment that we have done in the 20 years of existence that we have. And this year in particular, we're very proud because we partner with Miami-Dade County with uh, the school system, MDCPS, and also with Jewish Community Services. And what we did is, all of us, we have, we fund after-school programs, but we wanted to come up with a way to make parents' life easier and put all this information in one place. So one of the things, the Children's Trust, we fund uh, the 211 helpline in Miami-Dade County. And what we did is we brought together 211, so Jewish Community Services, Miami-Dade County, and MDCPS. And all of the programs that we fund, all of the after-school programs, they are now in the 211 database. So families okay. can call directly uh, the 211 helpline, or they can go to uh, 211miami.org slash afterschool. And in there, the families can find over 500 programs, after-school programs, and they can search by... Uh, by uh, oh, wait, I looked at that, and the resource page is not just after-school programs. I saw there are sections for healthcare, housing, veterans resources, food assistance, rent assistance, pretty much everything anyone can need. And you can search by zip code or browse programs alphabetically, uh, put in specific search criteria, like I would put in tennis for adults who don't play very well. <laughs> um, uh, but for example, if you want a sports program for your child or you have a special needs child, health information, it is amazing. I can't imagine how much time and effort went into making this database. It is. It was really an effort to make sure that we were helping the parents to find all this information because we're basically, you know, the largest providers of us after school and, and summer uh, camp programs. We did this initiative. We we did the pilot in the summer and the results that were amazing. Um, we had, I believe, 211 last year. We had like online searches for summer camps. It was like 300 online searches. This year we have over 31,000. Wow. Uh, so we had such a success that we're like, no, we have to do this for after school. So now we're very proud about the partnership. It speaks to, you know, we want to make sure that parents are able to work and that the children, they're able to be in a safe place, make, making friends, learning and just enjoying life. And isn't that how it should be for kids and for parents? Now, how is 211 different from 311? So 311 is a helpline from the county. And it's for, okay. for other things. But 211 is funded by the Children's Trust, partially by the Children's Trust. It's a confidential helpline. Not a lot of the community, they know that. And actually, September is uh, also Mental Health Awareness Month. It is a confidential helpline. And anybody that needs information or needs support, even in mental health support and for the youth as well, the people that they answer the phone, the customer services, they have in English and Spanish, Creole, multiple languages, and all of the information is confidential. I, I want to clarify just one thing, and I really, this is only top of mind for me because we're supporting NAMI Broward, 
the National Alliance on Mental Illness. They have their Broward Walk coming up October 7th. So we've been talking about September as Suicide Awareness Month and uh, Mental Health Awareness Month is in May. Of course, they fall under the same category of mental health. So I think you're right. September is Suicide Prevention Month and May Mental Health. Yeah, and it's really important because what we've seen with children and suicides is beyond anything I've experienced in my lifetime to date. It is. Uh, it's it's almost like its own pandemic. Um, and I know that social media has not been helpful in giving kids a safe place to go. You know, they think they're connecting, but they're open to so much abuse on social media. Um, do you have any advice on what parents can do to help keep their kids protected from social media? Is that something that you would deal with at all? So I'm a mother I'm myself. I'm a single mother. Um, and we believe communication is one of the most important things. You know, keep that line of communication with the children open. You know, parents, working parents, we you know, lives, they get very busy, but it's very important for parents to pay attention to the little details, right? Like, are the kids getting enough sleep? Are they eating well? Are they losing weight? Kind of like look for those signs that are able to, you know, it's kind of like a wake-up call in case anything is happening. Uh, one of the initiatives that, that we have at the Children's Trust is called the Parent Club. And it's actually free parenting workshops for families in Miami-Dade County in English and Spanish and Creole. And one of the workshops is actually about that. It's about social media. There's another workshop also how to engage with teenagers and how to raise resilient children. You know, all parents, the children, they don't come with a manual and there's no shame in asking for help. Right. So I definitely invite, you know, the community is very important for them to, you know, attend these workshops. There are 60 minute workshops. You learn, but you also connect with other parents that are going through the same. And that's when you feel that, you know what, I'm not I'm not crazy. I'm not going nuts here. <laughs> I'm not the only one. Uh, and then you share your experiences and you find, you know, different ways where you can, you know, keep those lines of communication open with the kids because it's very important. Like you said, you know, social media, those are the friends that the friends they yeah. think they have. And it's not necessarily that way. So it is very important for the parents to be very involved and, and very stay very connected with the children. Yeah, that is a great initiative. Um, I don't know how many organizations target the parents to teach yes. them how to deal with the kids. Are those ongoing? Uh, do they run monthly? Where can I get a schedule of those? We would want to share that info with our audience, both on air and on our events listing on our websites. Yes, definitely. So the Parent Club, we found three organizations. They're the ones that run the, the workshop. So it's a, with UM, FIU, and Be Strong International. All the information is on our website, thechildrenstrust.org slash parent club. Uh, the workshops after covid they're actually now they're in-person workshops and they're online workshops. And actually they're daily. There are workshops in the morning, wow. there are uh, workshops in the evening, there are workshops on the weekends. I want to make sure that, you know, they're available for working and non non-working parents and caregivers. It's fantastic. Now, one of the things that continues to be a challenge is m making healthcare, whether physical or mental health, accessible to the population as a whole. We have so many people who either don't have insurance, don't have transportation, can't afford the bills, 
or even still feel like there's a stigma attached to seeking assistance for mental health. And that has to be even harder for kids. I understand the Children's Trust has a program underway to deal with that. In the case of the Children's Trust, uh, something that we do is we fund school health clinics at the schools. So we partner with MDCPS and we fund around 145 school clinics inside the schools. So uh, now there's a lot of children that's actually the only access that they have to to healthcare. Mm. And so we fund the, the clinics and the nurses, but we also have social workers and mental health counselors. Uh, we want to make sure that it's not only from a health perspective, but also from a mental health perspective. And uh, we're very proud that, you know, we're bringing these services to the schools as well. And is it the school's job to inform the parents and the children that these services are available? Yes. And we communicate it also. We support it on our end as well. But it's definitely a team effort that, uh, you know, through the principals and the school system to make sure that the parents, they know that the children were seen and that the services are available at the school as well. Yeah, I have several friends and family members who work in the school system. And, you know, they've told me how teachers are now being put in a position to deal with so much more than just teaching a subject. They have to be alert for any dangerous situations. They have to keep an eye out to see if they suspect a child is being bullied or being abused at home. They have to be nurses and caregivers and keep track of when kids are supposed to take certain medications and make sure there are no allergens in the classroom like peanuts. So it's a whole different world than it used to be. But we were talking about whether it would be feasible to have a guide for teachers printed up, you know, similar to what you've done with the after school program database, where teachers could be handed a list of authorized service providers or experts to call on when they're facing one of these difficult situations. Uh, But then I was wondering, like, would you have to go through the school board, the school system to get approval before you can hand something directly to teachers? I don't know if it's through the school board. Uh, that idea, it's absolutely brilliant, uh, you know, to get the information to the teachers, because I have seen it multiple times that the teachers, they're not aware that all of this is available. And, you know, a lot of the times the parents, they communicate, you know, they ask the teachers. So if they have the information, uh, they have it. But I do know, at least here with MDCPS, uh, they have something uh, that is, is called the weekly briefing. And we go through the school system and it's a weekly email that it gets sent out to all of the principals with information that it gets distributed to the principals and then to the principals, to the teachers. Uh, so that's kind of like a, a way when we want to you know, promote the Family Expo, like these events that we do, that we're distributing right. all this information. It's kind of like that the way. If we were to do something more targeted, like getting the information to the teachers, I don't know what the process will be, but it's, it's a very interesting idea. Okay, so we'll add that to your wish list for next year. Are there particular things, if you had to narrow it down to say your top two or three issues that you need to get messaging out on, what would it be for you? I think in our case, one uh, where we are really focused right now is after school. Uh, And it was very timely uh, that you reach out to us um, to give the peace of mind to the parents and and all the reasons that that Dion mentioned, the importance of, you know, the after school beyond. Let's just keep the kids that there is is the benefits for that. But it's also in the case of the trust, we have an initiative that is called Thrive by Five. And it's really to create 
or increase the awareness about the importance of, of early childhood development and quality childcare. And one of the things is that we are very passionate about the importance of, of quality childcare and is related also with the fiscal cliff. A lot of the families, they stop pursuing you know, jobs and, and moving forward because they're going to lose some certain benefits. And that's something that we do uh, at the Children's Trust with the scholarships is that we support that gap. So it allows families to continue to move forward while ensuring that the children, they have a quality place where they're being taken care of uh, because these, you know, the, the first five years of the children are crucial. So uh, that's a very important area for the trust. Yeah, I would think if you can catch them in those first five years, the problems that come later would be lessened. Exactly. And the return of investment is, is, you know, you invest earlier in the years, but then you're preventing issues, you know, from when the children are older. Yeah, it reminds me of the phrase that we hear around breast cancer, early detection and disease prevention. Exactly. Same thing. Preventing the issues. Yeah. Okay. Are there any other points you want to make or information you want to share with the listeners before we wrap up? I think in, in just to add, Ellen, uh, one is please reach out to us uh, because we have found so many programs. So for anything, any topic that you have, like we have experts, uh, you know, Dion is with the programs department, I'm with the communications department, but we have experts in the programs department. We have hundreds of programs that we fund. So uh, we ha- also have access to families that can tell the story. So families, they mm. relate to them. So, you know, if there's a topic that you want to talk about, uh, that you need support, reach out to us. We'll find an expert within our organizations, within our network, our providers. We're here for you. I personally, I was without uh, employment before the trust over a year. I'm a single mom. I didn't know about the Children's Trust. And if I had known about the trust and all of the support that there's out there for parents, that year would have been so different for me. And and I see it every single day. Parents, they don't know this. And Dion mentioned 211. 211, the, the community, they don't know about no, 211 right. and it's confidential. <laughs> and is you know, the families can ask, you know, I need a program for this. This is my need. Do you have anything that is funded by the Children's Trust? So is that awareness is is making sure that really families they know like they're not alone uh there's somebody here for them and just please see us we're here for you you know for any experts uh programs anything that you need we're we're definitely please reach out here uh to us because you know we we don't make any money out of this you know our kpis is how many families were able to to help and, and make a difference. Um, so please feel free to send any emails. Uh, I'll make sure that I'll send also the calendars of the things that we do. We find the program and we also find the family. So, okay. you know, it's there's no better way for families to, to relate to the situation than hearing from somebody else. So we have access to, to families and their families that, you know, they're so grateful as to how these programs, they have uh, changed their life, that they, they're open to tell their story. I would love that. So, OK, I, I think we have so much information here. And I'm going to add that if any of our listeners have topics they want to know about, they can reach out to us and let us know so we can get back with you. And of course, they can always call 211. 
Jimena Nunez, Communications Director for the Children's Trust. Just a world of information. I thank you so much for your time and your input is invaluable. And the Trust is a world of services right at your fingertips at 211miami.org or just dial 211 and someone will get you the help that you need. And thank you for listening to Community Focus this morning. If you have questions about the program or would like to suggest a topic, you can email me at ellen.jaffe, that's J-A-2-F-1-E, at cmg.com. Or you can always leave a message on our open mic feature on our app. Join us again next Sunday for an all-new edition of Community Focus. Have a great day. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.